faith for some of us. I'll, I'll never forget Brother Doan, the missionary to Okinawa, when he, the night he got up to go to the front of the service to get the Holy Ghost, it, they just about had to peel his hands off the back of the chair. Cause he was so, there was so much fear and doubt and things going on in his mind. He said he had a, just a death grip on the back of that chair in front of him. <laughs> but he said he finally peeled his hands off that chair and went to the front and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And nobody knew that he had been saying, if this is real, you can make me talk and like those people would happen. And then when it happened the first time, he went back to the next service and said, if, if this is really real, make me do it again. <laughs> Sure enough, God did exactly what he asked. Amen. And so, and it's been faith that has kept that man in, in that country of Okinawa all these years. Amen. Reaching the, reaching the Japanese with the gospel. Amen. He started praying a prayer one day and said, here we are reaching all these military and who's reaching the Japanese? And he started praying, God send somebody. So one day God said, okay, you. Did it take faith for him to believe that that was God and not him telling himself that? Here he is almost 30 years later, still there, still walking by faith. Every day he's got to get up and say, I'm doing this again. Amen. And so we're talking about faith tonight. Amen. And so real quickly, if we could uh, just put up that first scripture, Sister Michaela, we thank Sister Michaela. Did you start the recording? Awesome. Amen. Second uh, Corinthians 5 and 7. And let's not forget to pray for our pastor and his wife while, they're, while they are gone. Uh, let's not forget the ladies thing is next Thursday. Next Thursday they're making wreaths. Let's not forget the mittens in the back, the trees in the back. Sorry for the delay on getting the table back up there, but... Anything else I'm forgetting? No. So let's not forget those things. I wanted to try to cover as many announcements and things as I could. Second Corinthians 5 and 7 simply says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Pretty simple. We walk by faith in what? Faith in the government? God forbid if we're walking by faith in the government. <laughs> faith in ourselves? No. Faith in our friends? Maybe faith in our spouse even. Those are people. Those are, those are human beings. They'll let us, we'll let ourselves down. So we're talking about, Second Corinthians, he's talking to the church at Corinth. He's saying, he's telling them, for we walk by faith. Don't do everything by the flesh. Don't try to figure it all out. Because you can't. Because God's ways are what? Higher than our ways. And His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His plans are way out there beyond what we can imagine or think. Right? Your wildest imagination, and God can go beyond, way beyond that. So, we walk by faith, by the faith that we have in God, the faith in the same God that delivered us from our, our alternate lifestyle or whatever it was that we were doing before we came to God. He delivered us from all that. It, you even look at the, the person that's been living in for God and raised in church and lived this all their life. And you think, well, they weren't delivered from anything. Well, yes, they were. They were delivered from all the stuff they didn't have to do. They were delivered from alcohol. They were delivered from drugs. They could have gone that way, but they didn't. 
They were delivered from smoking cigarettes. Do you have, Sister Janet, do you have that, the new lesson? Okay. That's all right. Does anybody else need one? I meant to ask. I'm sorry. No, you're fine, dear. You're fine. You're fine. My apologies for not asking. Everybody else good? Okay. Amen. So we walk by faith, not by sight, not by the things that we see. You can't trust the things you see sometimes. You know? The media is going to lie to you, right? Oh, uh, you know, they said, oh, it's cold in Wisconsin. You're, uh, somebody tell me that, that I'm living in Wisconsin. It's almost 70 degrees in November. <laughs> We're breaking records. So we walk by faith. Amen. I have to, I've been getting up, Brother Terry, every day for the last 26 plus years saying, all right, I'm going to live for God today. I can't go on yesterday's faith. I got to start fresh today because the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So that's what to me what that says is I get a new lease on life every day. I get a I get a do over. You want to look at it that way. I get a do over. Whatever happened yesterday, I've repented of that. And I've told God I'm not going to I'm turned from that. So I get it's like in his book, I get a fresh start every day. His mercies are new. Every morning, and I have to have faith that that's true. Amen? Faith is active, isn't it? You know, we read in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and all those stories of all those people, by faith Moses, by faith Abraham, by faith. And if you read those stories, it talks about all the things that they did. Actions, things that they accomplished in the kingdom. And they had no Holy Ghost a lot of those people. And they walk by faith. By faith. We almost lost the one that was going to carry throughout the entire generation all the tribes of Israel. His father took him up and put him on the altar and, and the knife came down and God stopped the knife. It took faith to take your only child up there and because God said, and what did he tell his son? He told Isaac, he said, look, come on. Let's go up to the top of the mountain so we can worship. And what did he do when they left town? Told his wife, we'll, we're going to worship. We'll be back. We'll, we will be back. So it was in his mind, he's, he's saying, God, you told me to do this. I'm going to do it. But I'm believing that you're going to fix this and change this. But in the meantime, I'm going to do what you told me to do. You know, how many of us would, if God came upon our mind and told us to do something that was totally out of context, out of character, out of everything, would we just do it? Right? There was a centurion that got, the prophet sent his servant out and said, go dip in the river seven times. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to have an attitude. He wanted to let his flesh say, no, 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 that's not the way I imagined it was going to be. You know? But that's how he got healed of leprosy. His, his lowly servant said, hey, if he told you to do some other thing, you'd do it. Right? So if God told me I had to stand on my head to get saved, if that's what the book said, I guess I'd be standing on my head if I wanted to get saved, right? If that's what the book said. Right? And if enough people went before me and, it's, and they got, so, you know, we, we have to, this is where our faith lies in this book right here. 
And so I'm picking up kind of where Brother Parker left off. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 says, Above all, taking on, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And so we're talking about faith tonight, and I wanted to just kind of take a moment here and kind of contrast faith with trust. They kind of, both of them kind of sound the same, don't they? Amen. Trust in the Lord in Proverbs 3, verses 3 through 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Amen. That's the hard part of that scripture. In all thy ways acknowledge him. We don't want to let God be in charge of our life. We don't want to sack and lay our life down. You know, it's easy to say, I live for God. But how many really understand that what that really means is, is I die for him. Because the scripture says, I die daily. Take up your cross daily and follow him. And what does that mean? Taking up your cross is referencing dying. And so we have to die out to who we are and who we think we are. We have to die out to this flesh and say, I'm not in control anymore. God, you are. I made a mess of things before you came along, so I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to take my hand off the wheel. Because if you're driving down the road and somebody's sitting in the passenger seat and they reach across and grab the wheel and you start swerving all over the road, you're going to be saying what to them? Get off the wheel. What are you doing? And so we, do, we want God to be in control, don't we? I think we do. Not many amens on that. <laughs> but we do. And to be honest with you, when we came to the altar, when we repented of our sins, and we came to the altar and said, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost. When we received the Holy Ghost and we began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance, that's exactly what we did. We, At that moment, we gave over total and complete control of our life to Him. But how many of us took back some control of our life after that? Amen? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'm talking to myself too, okay? If the shoe fits, okay? So, but we were talking already about faith being active. You know, I've heard someone say faith is like a muscle. You have to exercise it every day. Trust, on the other hand, is passive. The word trust in the Greek, talks about to hide for refuge. And so it's like you go somewhere to hide behind a rock or in a cave like David did. To hide for refuge. And he trusted, while he was running from Saul those 20 years, he trusted that God, the God that had sent that prophet to pour that oil on his head and say, you're going to be the king, he trusted. That's all he could do at that point. He didn't understand why he was going through all that. And we don't understand sometimes why we're going through things. Amen. I, I heard one preacher tell a story of a lady in his church that had been raised in church and she, she went to college and she got an education and she got really successful in business and she started drifting away from God. She drifted far away. 
And so some things happened in her life, and she ended up with cancer. And when all that happened, she came back to the church, came back to God, started serving God with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they prayed and fasted for two years for God to heal her of that cancer. And she died of cancer. Young woman. And nobody, they were all they couldn't figure it out. And God spoke to the man of God and said, I allowed that to happen. Because if I'd have let her go and healed her of cancer, she'd have gone right back out to the world and she'd have been lost. So sometimes God allows things to happen in our life. Amen? Paul tried to get God to take that thorn in the flesh, that, thing, that messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. God tried to get him to take that away three times. And what did God say? Nope, my grace is sufficient for you to have to deal with that. For my strength, God's talking, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So he needed Paul because that scripture in that story it talks about because God was giving Paul some revelations about some things. He was giving him some mighty, powerful revelations about some things that he was going to teach. And he needed Paul to stay humble. And he knew that he had made that flesh. And so he knew what it would take to keep Paul humble. And sometimes God allows things in our life to keep us humble. You mean he would allow sickness to be in our life? He allowed it in Paul's life. And the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. So if it, if it was good enough for Apostle Paul, we're not going to get out of that. Right? If we really want to serve him, he might allow us to go through some things. Not so that we can suffer, so he can sit up there and watch us suffer, but so that he can cause us to grow. Amen? He wants us to grow. He's, he's going to try our, try the Spirit. He's going to try our life. Try us and see how much we really love Him. Amen? When they purify gold, what do they do? They heat it up and they take the dross off, the, the, the junk out of it. Then they let it cool. Then they heat it up again, take some more off. It doesn't all come out the first time. And they keep doing that until it's pure gold and then it's like glass. They say, I have never seen it, but pure gold is like glass. It's so pure, it just shines like glass. And so they have to keep getting the impurities out of it. That's why they keep heating it up and cooling it down. And so that's what God does in our life. That little piece of coal becomes a diamond from what? Lots of, lots of years of pressure, 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 constant pressure pressing in. And so we have to learn to walk by faith when God's allowing those things in our life. Right? And so faith is active. Faith is something that requires action. As I was saying in the Hebrews 11 chapter, we, we walk by faith as, as 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. Those men, those women, those people walk by faith. They trusted that the God they couldn't see that was talking to their mind was telling when God told Abraham to pick up and move, he didn't he didn't even tell him where at first. He just said, Move. Where am I going? Just start walking. I'll tell you when to stop. Right? What's the last thing God told us? Right? Think about it in your life. What was the last thing God told you? I heard one preacher say, if the last thing God told you was to stand still, then the th- the thing you need to be doing is standing still. Until he tells you the next thing to do. 
Why would God tell you stand still? I don't know. That's not. That's up to him. Right? right? <laughs> he let Joseph go and be take, put sold into slavery, and he let him go through all that stuff that Joseph went through, being accused of being of raping that man's wife, and of being accused of this, and accused and being put in prison for all that. Why did he do that? He was molding Joseph's character. So that Joseph would be ready when, when it was hoisted upon him to be second in command in Egypt. So that he wouldn't take that leadership role and wouldn't let it go to his head. He had to teach him some humility. Right? And so, when all that was said and done, Joseph was ready. So I, me personally, when I keep having to go through stuff, I'm thinking either I'm not learning the lesson, or I'm not ready. And he knows when I'm ready. And I'm hoping that it's that I'm not ready yet. And that it's not that I'm not learning the lesson. Because if you don't learn the lesson, he'll keep letting you go back through that stuff until you get it. That's been my experience. I don't know about anybody else. That's been my experience. And that when, when we raised our kids, if they didn't learn the lesson the first time, second time around, maybe they will. Third time around, maybe they will. Some people are hard-headed. It takes them longer. One of my sons was more hard-headed than the other one. He, the other one was very compliant, but the other one was like, he just didn't want to listen. He just didn't want to submit. That was his problem. And I think that's our problem sometimes. We just don't want to submit like that clay. You know, I just who wants to be a lump of clay and just sit there and wait for God to mold and make you into what he wants you to be? It's hard. Our flesh is not, he gave us a will. We don't want to do that. We want to be in control. We want we want to run our life. Amen. Amen. Colossians three one through three says, "If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, which Christ, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. He wants to hide us behind Him." He wants to, just just like the the little chicks, he wants to put us around, put his wings around us, and hide us. Amen. And so, if we're hid with Christ and God, we're not our own. What does that scripture say? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Amen. It's easy to quote that scripture. It's really hard to live that. I am not my own. God, you are in control of my life today. I don't get to have a say. That's that place of submission that he wants in our life. That's that place of walking by faith. Amen? Faith, actually, in the Greek, is an active verb. It means persuasion, credence, moral conviction. Faith is, It's faith that will cause a man, when he hears a word from God in his mind, to go to a city. It's faith that will cause a man to just pack up and go and not start questioning why or how or you mean right now, God? No, he, he just does it. You know, and there's hundreds and hundreds of men just like that that we could talk to for hours and hours that God just simply gave them a thought in their mind and wouldn't let that go away until they packed their bags and left. Go to this city. And that we have churches in those cities today simply because somebody 
put legs on their faith and said, okay, I've, I've come into this truth. I believe that God is directing my life. When God spoke, they just, just like Abraham, they just went. And we have some beautiful, large churches in some cities. You know, we have a church in Alexandria, Louisiana that's, that's very large that started out of somebody's living room. Right? When there was no UPC church there. A man and his wife just felt the call of God to go to that city. And they began to fast and pray and seek the face of God. And God gave them authority over the prince of that city. And they, they didn't hardly have to even knock doors. People just started coming. They, they still went out and knocked doors. But when God gave them authority in that city, it wasn't a matter of time before they, they started filling their house up and they outgrew that. Amen. We have a a very large church in Louisville, Kentucky that's actually quite large. It would probably about the size of our the lacrosse center down here or bigger. And it's a Christian church, but the same idea there. That that church started in a guy's living room and garage in his house and grew to that. So somebody had to have some faith somewhere. That that's what God told them to do. Start, and it started with one Bible study. It started with one soul. One soul. And people will go to that church in Alexandria and, and look at that and go, how did you all do this? And their answer to everybody that asks that question is one soul at a time. One at a time. Somebody had to be out there knocking on doors, teaching Bible studies, reaching people, interceding and praying for people. Amen. How many knows that that this Christian life that we live is not just a walk in the park, right? He never said he promises a rose garden, right? And so this this life that we live is a warfare. It's a conflict. How many in this room were born into this world? Every hand should be up. Every last one of us was born into this world, weren't we? And so when we were born into this world, typically, I don't know if somebody might have been born in the back seat of a station wagon or whatever, but typically we were, our mom was in a hospital somewhere and there was a bunch of nurses and doctors gathered around. They were poking and sticking stuff and measuring and taking temperatures and taking heartbeats and all that kind of stuff. There was a whole team of people there to what, to bring that baby forth into this world, to bring us forth into this world. They didn't just walk in and say, well, yep, she's pregnant. looks like she's about doing it. And they all walked out and went down and had some coffee in the cafeteria and waited for the baby to be born, right? Somebody stayed there. Somebody, if you want to look at it this way, somebody interceded. Somebody was there to make sure everything happened the way it was supposed to happen in case something went wrong, right? One of my son's umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck when he came out, so Thankfully, somebody was there to take care of that, that knew what to do when they saw that. And he's living today. And so when we came to God, we didn't just come to God. It didn't just wasn't just some happenstance. Somebody somewhere was praying. Somebody somewhere, a pastor or somebody had enough faith to believe that if they prayed and interceded for souls, they didn't even know their name that God would begin to take the blinders off their eyes. And that God would, and he, that somebody prayed for us. How many believes that? 
I know somebody had to be praying for me. I was pretty bad. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was a bad dude, amen. And I know it had to be prayer that brought me to the house of God. I don't know who it was, and it doesn't matter. But thank God somebody was praying. Somebody was praying for a man that didn't even know he needed to be prayed for. I couldn't even pray for myself. But somebody prayed and God started drawing me because of the prayer of somebody that started pulling the blinders down. When the, when, when the apostle Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul, when he came to God, the people of Israel were, they were hiding out because he was killing them. Right? And they were having a prayer meeting every night. And I'm sure they were, because these were already people they were talking in tongues and speaking, you know, and, and they've been baptized in Jesus' name. So I'm sure they were having one mighty prayer meeting. Don't you believe that? Amen. And they were probably praying, God, take him out. Do something to him. He's killing us. Take him out. And they, that's what they wanted. Take him out. And what did God do? He didn't take him out. And what happened when, 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 uh, what's his name? The guy that God sent to talk to him, Ananias, thank you. What happened when Ananias was, began to minister to him and baptize him? The Bible says that the scales, as it were, fell off of his, his eyes as fish scales. Okay, and so what was that a representation of? He was in darkness. In all, he was a religious Jew. He was a Pharisee. He had it all right. And he, he knew the Scripture, but he just didn't have the, the right spirit. He didn't understand what was going on. And so God, through their prayers, instead of taking him out, God took the scales off of his eyes and allowed him to see. How many remembers that? That moment? I can, I can tell you exactly where I was sitting. I don't remember what year it was. It was probably about 1989. But I was sitting in my government quarters in my recliner, had my Bible in my lap, and it, it was like somebody walked over to the wall and just turned the light switch on when I saw the truth of who Jesus was. It just blew my mind. And why did he, why did he do that? Because I was hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And God did that. I was walking by faith, Brother Terry, and I didn't even know it. I was hungry. I wanted salvation. I wanted to know that this was the real thing, not Coca-Cola. I wanted the real thing. I was tired of I've been raised in religion. I didn't want that. And when God showed me that, it was like, bam, nobody could convince me otherwise from that point on. How many remembers that happening in your life? Amen. How many remembers diagramming sentences? In high school, <laughs> anybody? Oh, that stuff was terrible. We know a lady in Louisville, Kentucky, who got, God used diagramming sentences for her to see the revelation of baptism in Jesus' name. Somebody showed her that by diagramming that scripture, and she saw it. God will use whatever, whatever method He needs, right? And so there's people right now while we're sitting in this building that are living right out here in this city that are just like Saul. 
They love God. They go to that church down there. They go to that church over there. They might not go to church. They might go to the church where they serve up mugs of beer. But they go somewhere, and their minds and their eyes are in darkness. Like Saul. They think they're all right. How many remembers feeling like, I'm all right. I'm okay. Before you got the whole, you, you thought everything's okay. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm a good person. I love God. Right? I was a Catholic, good Catholic boy. I love God. That wasn't good enough. Amen. Acts 26, verse 13. I hope this is all right. No, ma'am. Nope. I don't think so. Acts 26 says, this is Paul recounting his conversion to King Agrippa. And he says, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and then, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were... All fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand on thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, And those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. He had to get him away from them first so that he could send him back to to win them. Right? And it goes on to say, to open their eyes. Paul, I'm sending you to do this. This is your mission, Paul. to, To open their eyes. And to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto the power of God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's Jesus talking. So Paul's mission in life was to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. How was he going to do that? How does faith come? Faith cometh. By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he was telling Paul, I'm going to send you back to the Jews and the Gentiles to preach who I am. And you're going to help people's eyes be open and their minds be open. Amen. And so that's where we are. That's that's what our mission is. Our commission. Our goal in life. I don't know if it's Jesus knocking Somebody's knocking or doing something. Amen. So, amen. The Bible talks about, in the Old Testament, there was a battle where Abraham had to go deliver Lot and all of his family that they'd been taken, they'd been taken and, made, and made captive of somebody. And so God told Abraham, go get him. And what did Abraham do? The Bible says he, all of his servants that he had hired, all the people that were in his household, he trained them up as an army. And what did he do? They went and they took those people back. 
So they physically went and did battle with swords and shields and all those things. And they won the battle and they set those people free. Right? And so it took faith for him to do that. To believe that his little army was going to be able to do that. But God was with him. Amen. And so it took faith for a man of God to come to the city of La Crosse and to start what we now call Calvary Apostolic Church. That's still here today. Somewhere way back in the day, before some of us ever even showed up on the scene, somebody felt a burden to come here and they did it by faith. And we can thank God for that because we have this place for us to be in here today. Amen. And this place is not only here for us. It's here for the souls of people that are out there. Amen. There's people that you can reach that I'll never even talk to. Right? That you work with. There's people that each one of us will come in contact with every single day of our life that I will never talk to or someone else in this room will never talk to. So they are the ones that God has put in our path to reach. And so He has called us by faith to walk with Him by faith. And He is expecting us to reach out by faith. Amen? Do, do we really believe this gospel that saved us? Do we really believe it? Amen? Does it save? Does it deliver? I mean, I, just think about your own life. What God delivered you from. We don't even have to talk about what He delivered us from. Just think about what He delivered you from. And we, we walked in the building like this by faith. Amen? I walked in a building, and this is how God works. I walked in a building with the only intention of me being in that church service was to be with a woman that I wanted to be dating. I had no intention. No, my motives were totally wrong. I was totally just not there for any other reason, just to make sure that me and her stayed together. Whatever she wanted to do, if she wanted me to go to her church, I'd go to her church, whatever it took. But God was faithful. And little did I know what God was doing in my life. And the next thing I know, I was standing in a prayer line. Never been in a prayer line in my life at 20 years old. Didn't know what it was for. We didn't have that the way I was grown up. And next thing I know in that prayer line, it's my turn and I have to come up with something for them to pray for. So out of my mouth came these words or something to this effect. I don't know. Whatever it is those people that were dancing over there had, I want that. I don't know where that came from. But it came out of my mouth. And that man put some oil on his finger and on my head and prayed. And next thing I know, I was on the floor talking in tongues, laying on my back. Amen. That was God. Amen. But it took faith for me to even go to that church service on a Friday night. At a time in my life when that's the last thing you did on a Friday night, unless it was Good Friday. Right? Religiously, you just, Good Friday, you went to Good Friday church, right? And so, God operates. He gives us all a measure of faith. It's a matter of what we do with our faith. Amen? Amen. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 and 11, actually it's 16, I believe. He says, above all, He's talking about the armor of God, right? What is the armor of God? What's the whole armor of God? Ephesians 6 and 11. 
go to Ephesians. Breastplate of righteousness. What else? Preparation of the gospel of peace. Shield of faith. Truth. And so it says there, and I believe in 16, it says, above all, it says above all, above all these other pieces of armor that you need, take on the shield of faith. Amen? Why? That you may be able to withstand all the fiery darts of the wicked. Those shields that they used in those days were about four feet tall. They were made out of wood. They were covered in leather, and they would soak them in water. And they would stand side by side with those shields, and they could put those shields side by side, and then the guys behind them could hold their shields up and set them on top of the, the top of the four-foot-high shield and make like a, like a wall. And they could withstand any kind of darts, arrows, spears, you name it. Because the enemy was shooting little darts and things with flames on the end of it, so that they could catch wooden buildings and tents and grass buildings on fire. And so that's, that's, that's literally what they did. And so they had to trust those shields to hold back. That water would, in that, soaked in that leather would do what? Put the fire out. Amen? But we're not, we're not in a defensive posture, are we? The Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. Right? Where are gates on a city? Think about the city of Jericho. It was a wall all the way around, wasn't it? Except for one little place where there was a gate. And this, that, that scripture says gates. So there's going to be lots of gates that we're going to deal with. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. Meaning that we're going to, there's some stuff going to come against us. And there's some stuff coming against those people out there. That they don't know how to deal with. Just like us when before we came to God. We didn't know how to deal with demonic things in our life. We didn't know somebody started interceding and travailing for us in prayer. It was a pastor. You know, I believe that Brother Parker prays for every one of us every single day. Probably more than once a day. As he feels led of the Spirit. God knows what's going on in our life. And he'll quicken that man of God to begin to pray and intercede for us when we don't even know that we need to be interceded for. Right? It's just like a, a woman giving birth. That Sometimes that's the kind of prayer that comes over a man of God when he's feeling something for his saints. Amen. And, and that's how we came to God. Somebody was praying for us. Somebody was weeping between the porch and the altar for us. When we didn't even know the difference between right and wrong, really. When we didn't know the difference between saved and unsaved. We thought we were okay, just like King, like Saul, before he became Paul. We, he, he thought he was okay. He was religious. He was good enough. Amen. And so the enemy's not going to stop coming at us. Right? When's he going to stop coming at us? When we are out of here. Until then, the Bible says he's the prince of the power of the air. And that's not going to change until Jesus comes, right? So we're going to have to deal with him. I'm not giving glory to the devil here. But we're going to have to deal with him. He is not going to let up. It's like I was talking about in the beginning. He would love for us to just sit back and relax. 
Like that one show, Set a Spell, Take Your Shoes Off. <laughs> Way back. <laughs> Beverly Hillbilly. <laughs> but that's what the devil, it sounds funny and comical, but that's what he wants us to do. Oh, you, you're saved. It's okay. You, you've done your part. You, you've done all that you could do. Just sit back there and, and hold your seat on the bus till Jesus comes. And that's what the enemy wants us to believe, and that's what he wants to get us in the, in the mode of doing. I, I, I'm in the church. I don't care about anybody else. Wow. It's our job to be soul winners. I include myself in that. And I can't use the excuse, well, I just moved here. I really can't. When I first moved here, I could. But now I've been here long enough, I've started to get to know some people. And so I have to start stepping out on faith. And the devil wants to come in our mind and create fear. What is somebody once said? Fear is faith in the devil. <laughs> fear is faith in the devil. Because the Bible says what? God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if we have a spirit of fear, it's not from him. But of power, of authority, that word power means authority, exousia, of power, of authority, of power, of love, and of a sound mind. He has given us this truth, this, this gift, this thing that we have in earthen vessels. Somebody who ever witnessed to us probably didn't think they could do it either. But they did it. They stepped out there and did it anyway. Right? And they weren't a Bible scholar. If you go to the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47, right after all these new converts got in church, what does the Bible say? They went from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship together and, and had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. None of those people were Bible scholars. None of those people could quote the Bible like Brother Parker does. They didn't have a Bible. All they had was what they heard and what they experienced. That's all they had left. That's all they had to share. And you have to find yourself going, you know, I can't explain it all. But all I can tell you is the life you're living now is not, you're not happy with it, are you? And I'm telling you, God delivered me from, from stuff. And if you will come, you know, we've got to just at least throw the seed out there. You know? I think I said this before, the farmers out here, they don't go around behind the seeds after they, the cedar goes through the field and go back and check on every little seed and see if it's in the right spot, right? They just have that seeds going down through there, dropping seeds and then covering it up, right? That's how the machines work, I think, right? I'm not a farmer. Something, it digs a hole, drops a seed, covers it up all in one swoop right as it goes through there, right? That's what we got to do, just throw the seed out there. Don't worry about it. Where it goes, let him worry about that. The Bible says that the Lord added to the church. We're just supposed to cast the seed. But what did the farmer do before he cast the seed? Prepared the ground. And a farmer, if if there's nobody else in this world that operates by faith, it's a farmer. Right? They don't know if it's going to be... A rainy summer or a drought summer. They don't know if there's going to be a flood or or whatever. They don't know. 
They just go out there every year and they throw the seed in the ground and hope it grows. Pray that the corn is knee high by the 4th of July. Right? I do know that much about corn. It's supposed to be knee high by the 4th of July. I mean, didn't know that. That's, that's true. Right? And so that's a good year. This year it was like chest high by the 4th of July. It was really good. Amen. And so we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. We've got to prepare the ground. Amen. There's this guy I worked with at Permar. His name is Don Clapp. Do you think I stopped praying for Don just because I left Permar? No, absolutely not. Because I could see some chinks in his armor. I could see it. I could see him letting go, letting, letting down in some areas. So the last thing I need to do is stop praying for him. And the first thing the enemy wants to do is say, well, just forget about him. Hey, that's a soul. I was making headway with him. God's not done with that situation yet. And so if that's what I got to do, that's what I got to do. I stay in touch with him. I send him a little text every now and then. I'm not going to let go of that situation. Because there was, I was, God was making some headway. I'm not going to say I was. But God was allowing that situation to make headway. And so we got to keep the pressure on. And that, going back to what I said about praying, and, and that's how we prepare the ground. That's just like the people that were praying against Paul, against Saul. They didn't know they were preparing the ground. For God to do a great work in that man's life. So you never know. It might look like a hopeless situation. Like that person will never come to God. Keep praying for him anyway. Amen. Keep interceding. Keep travailing. Amen. Like that woman that gave birth. Amen. I don't think there's ever been a quiet birth. Has there? The two that I witnessed were very exciting. That's the word I'm going to use. <laughs> they were, but they were exciting. But there was a lot of noise and a lot of hollering. And a lot of, there was a lot of travail. The Bible talks about that word travail in reference to a woman giving birth. And so that's what we're doing when we're interceding and travailing by faith. I don't know when God's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I'm not going to stop praying for that individual until they start showing a hunger. And that woman travails until when? Till that baby's born. Once that baby comes out, first one came out with my wife had her first one. They they brought that little boy in there and put her put him in her arms. And you know what she said? She looked right up at me. I'm not kidding you with these loving eyes and can we have another one? And I said to myself, She's out of her mind. <laughs> It must be the drugs. That's right. But she was serious. All that travail and all that pain was worth it to hold that baby. And all she could think about was, I want another one. That's how God made mothers. And that's what are we? The church is the mother. Amen. We bring forth babies. Birth them into the kingdom, right? And how do we birth babies? Travail. Prayer. I don't know how God does it, but when we pray, stuff happens. Amen? Anybody ever heard that that little acronym, PUSH? PUSH? 
Pray until something happens. Amen? Now, my, it's, this is my opinion for what it's worth, but I believe that we can go out and knock all the doors we want to knock, but if we don't pepper that with prayer, if we don't, if we don't prepare the ground for what we're about to go do, it's just going to fall flat, in my opinion. But when we prepare the ground in prayer, when we specifically go after the enemy of their souls, the one that's holding them, the Bible says that he holds them against their will. It's just like a prisoner of war being held against their will. Amen? We know Some of us know about prisoners of war. Amen. What was the first thing we wanted to do when we found out we had POWs in other countries? Go set them free. Right? Bless God. I don't even know if this went where it was supposed to go. But I will tell you that um, while I was on the road today, I was praying and just talking to God about this, and I just felt like maybe this is where God wanted me to go. And so God knows what he's doing. How many believes that? He already know he already knew before we got here what he was going to do. There's a scripture in the New Testament talking about Jesus that and it says he already knew what he was going to do. He he knew the thoughts of the scribes and the Pharisees. He knew the thoughts of the religious people and he would respond to their thoughts before they even said it. And so he knows what we're going through. He knows what is needful. Amen. He knows why these church pews are empty. And He knows what we need to do. Amen. In every facet of our life, He knows what He's doing. Amen. And we it took faith to get us here, folks. And it's going to take faith to get us down the road. Amen. We can't wait for somebody else to come along and win people. It's up to us while we're here. Amen. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, to hear the ministry of your word. Lord Jesus, I thank you for using me as just a a vessel. Lord Jesus, I pray that I have spoken what you have caused me to speak, Lord Jesus, that this word that has gone forth, Lord, has gone and landed upon the hearts and the minds of every individual that you have ministered that you have ministered to the souls and the hearts and minds of the people in this room today, and that you have dropped a nugget into their field, Lord, that you have dropped something into their mind that they can chew on and begin begin to consider. Give us a heart and and a mind. Give us a desire. Give us a burden for the loss of this city to do what we need to do, Father. Lord, that we might be vessels of honor unto you, Lord, that we might at least cast the seed and, and watch you add to the kingdom, Father, such as should be saved. Father, we thank you for all this today, and we ask that you would go with each one of us as we go from this place. Minister into our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Greet and love one another in the name of the Lord.